Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm part of the old impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. At the end of last week's episode with Richard Armitage, I promised you something a little bit different. And this week, we have our first certified music star, James Arthur. Previous listeners will know typically we have TV-related stars, actors, comedians come on to talk about plot twists and their latest projects. But plot twists can happen to anyone, right? And James Arthur's rise to fame happened right before our eyes on live TV as he catapulted the stardom on The X Factor in 2012. I can't believe that was 11 years ago. Since then, five albums, billions of streams, yes, billions, with songs like Say You Won't Let Go, Impossible, Naked, helping to create a very dedicated fan base, of which I am one. I am genuinely a big fan of his music. Since The X Factor, it hasn't always been plain sailing for James. I think he'd be the first to put his hand up as to recognise that. There's been a few controversies and he's had challenges with his own mental health. Something that he's been really refreshingly open and honest about. I fully commend him for that, and many others have praised him for it too. In recent years, he's welcomed his daughter, Emily. You really get the sense he's, he's in a great place. And on top of fatherhood duties, he's been working on a new album, Bittersweet Love, which arrives in January next year, the 26th to be precise. And singles Blindside and A Year Ago have already come out. I really like A Year Ago, it's a great song. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this one. It's going to be interesting to hear about his own plot twists and to hear about his own perspectives 11 years on from X Factor, where he was plucked from obscurity, but the boy from Middlesbrough that now has an army of fans worldwide. Genuinely looking forward to it. So here's my chat with James Arthur on Plot Twist. Here we go. James Arthur, the first big music star we've had on Plot Twist. Thrilled. Thank you so much. Well, it's an honour. It's a real honour. I said to you before, I've got a stat. God. So yeah. we, we were debating, weren't we? We were saying it's between 14 and 16 billion streams, mm. which are just mental, absolutely yeah. bonkers to think about it. Yeah. So I did a calculation on the train this morning. Each individual song, if it was played out, how long do you think that would be time-wise? What, if we're so if we're saying the song is about what an average three and a half four minutes, three and a half minutes, four. Each minutes. individual song was played out among those fourteen I'm, billion streams. I'm not the right guy to ask on the math stuff, to be honest. You ready? Yeah, go on. It's over a hundred thousand years. Oh my god, <laughs> that's wild. That is absolutely bonkers. That's wild, man. Yeah, that is that. That is that's. Because the Ice Age, 10,000 years ago, and it yeah. was 10 times that. I was just oh like, your songs would still be playing I in mean, that time frame. That would be torture, though, wouldn't it? I don't think people would last very long if they had to listen to my uh, music. Hey, people love you, dude. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, But that, that's, that is bonkers. That, that's that's yeah, crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I have got some, well, not some, like my, yeah, I've got a lot of very beautiful fans that uh, that listen Religiously, yeah, they are. I would, I would go as far as to say I've got a bit of a cult following, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like they, not um, just in the UK either. Yeah, no, all it's, over the shop. It's, yeah, I'm very, very fortunate that I've got an amazing fan base because they, I think, I think they feel almost like they've they've got a bit of a chip on the shoulder. They feel like I should be getting, and and this is not me saying this. Like I've just from from what I've observed is they feel like I, I don't get my flowers maybe mm. for what I've been able to achieve. And so they really campaign hard for me at radio and TV and all these kind of things. Like, and it's really heartwarming to, to see. You know, it's very motivating for me to keep going. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it must yeah, be because a huge compliment, really. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. Because I, I feel sometimes like I, I have to work a bit harder than than others, probably because of the nature of how I came up. I think some mm. people have a view of things like the X Factor that somehow makes you more manufactured. When actually, it's the opposite. Like to to go, you know, if, if you're at that point where you're going on a show like that, mm. a lot of the time it's because you don't really have the backing of, like, you know, you don't have management or... For me, it was I didn't have any money. I was 23. Um, I'd been promised the world from record levels and stuff, but ultimately it always came down to, you know, um, not having the kind of resources that it would take to actually penetrate mm. into the a pressure cooker as well right yeah man yeah. yeah yeah and just you know there's 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 many reasons why i ended up being there my mum bribed me for a start like to yeah yeah, yeah. To going on there but yeah um the fact i've managed to stick around and stuff is like is 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 the fans you know my my, my but the thing is i with that i don't think of you as an x-factor artist now yeah i feel like you've you've bridged away from that for you your success that's cool i like i like that yeah that's great um yeah i mean it was not not knocking the x-factor because no. it's, it's done a yeah. great job in terms of producing great artists yeah absolutely like yourself, yeah but, but I, I mean i just see it as like the thing that launched me you know it's like my pl the platform I, I i used it to showcase you know my songwriting and mm. my singing and stuff so yeah, because yeah, a certain artist, you're like, oh yeah, from X Factor. But I wouldn't, I, I don't yeah. think of that with you. Oh, genuinely. that's good. So, that's good because most of my interviews yeah. start with, so the X Factor. It's like, uh, how's life been since the X Factor? I'm like, well, it's like, dude, it's eleven years 11 ago. Eleven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thrilled to have you on. Yeah, and have uh, have a bit of fun. There's a few random questions I've got for you. Sure. I said to you about plot twist. Really intrigued, actually, what you're going to say because there's probably quite a few things we could mm. call out yeah. and then obviously talk about the new album. But we'll start with a few randoms. Okay. Get to know each other a little yeah. bit. Have a bit yeah. of fun. Yeah. Um, some of them are serious, some of them are a bit silly, you know. There's a bit of a balance there. I like silly. Um, I was looking at sort of Middlesbrough-related cuisine. Right, okay. Have you ever had a Palmo? Have I ever had a Palmo? Yes, sir, I have. I've had <laughs> more than my fair share of Palmos, I'll tell you that. Uh, at one point, that was pretty much my diet. Was, was just They look good. Yeah, and they do them in all different... You can have it in all different shapes and so You can have it yeah. in a wrap or... Yeah, burger. It's, it's fried chicken, or isn't it? With yeah. a sort of a cream sauce on the top and yeah. a lot of cheese. It's essentially a the massive drink. chicken escallop. Like <laughs> they serve it like a pizza. So it's like the pizza base is the chicken. Yeah, breaded chicken. Then you have got your bechamel sauce, and then it's you know beautiful melted cheese on top, on a bed of chips. Which oh yeah, is fantastic garlic yeah. sauce. You got. You got to absolutely lather it in garlic sauce, but yeah, it's it's quality. Uh, yeah, I was looking last night. I was like, nah, that's a, well up my street. Yeah, man, it's really up. It's my amazing street. that it's like it's exclusive to Teesside, though. Mm. Like you can't even if you go to Sunderland or Newcastle, you can't you can't get it. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, oh, interesting. A, okay. I mean, some pla there might be some niche little places yeah. that do it. Like yeah, maybe. Maybe they should do one in London. That'd be pretty good. They probably they probably got they one probably in Camden gets. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds like the kind of place. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about duets. 
and who you could collaborate with. Yeah. And just putting out there, just in case anyone's listening, they would you know be up for it. Yeah. Now Taylor Swift, everyone's talking about Taylor Swift yeah. because it's, she's just just incredible and huge. Mm. But somebody that I really like, and I know you like your country music, yeah. Chris Stapleton. Awesome. I just love the man. Incredible. And like Jerry's um national anthem at the Super Bowl. Yeah. It just sends shivers down yeah. your spine. Makes you want to quit yeah. when you see someone that it, talented. Hey, don't knock yourself. But if you had to if you had to collaborate with one or the other, if I could give you access to one, yeah. who are you? Where are you uh, siding? Well, I mean Stapleton probably outsing me, so <laughs> <laughs> No, I uh, think you two. I fancy my, I've actually, I fancy myself with Stapleton. Maybe Zach, maybe Zach could hold my own. But um, absolutely, yeah. To be honest, I mean, Taylor Swift is someone that I would, I think, as far as a male female duet, particularly with the new music that I've that I've made, would be. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find um, a, a female vocalist to sing on a kind of a country leaning song that I've got on my new album. So right now, it would be Taylor Swift. Mm. I think, yeah. So Taylor, if you're listening, Taylor. Hit me yeah. up, man, please. Yeah, I'm, just I'm, yeah. just message on Instagram, that would do. Easy, slide yeah. in. <laughs> Sorry, weird. Sorry. <laughs> so you've got your your tour coming up yeah. next year, UK and European tour. Yes. Some interesting locations, mm -hmm. pretty glamorous locations. But if you had to pick one place that surpassed your expectations as a venue, as a mm -hmm. as a place to visit, yeah, what would stick out? Well, I mean, it's a boring answer, but it would be Wembley, I think. I mean, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's, co it's cool. If you'd have told me I'd have played, like, Wembley, the O2. I wish not, it's not been my own gig, but I've played at Wembley Stadium as well. Those were, you know, growing up, those were the kind of iconic mm. places. Uh, well, I've played Royal Albert Hall. I mean, that's, that's, probably, that's, amazing. that's probably the one yeah. that is arguably the most iconic. Um, it's unique yeah. as well, actually, for music. It, yeah. Totally, yeah. totally, yeah. Like Clapton plays there every year, you know, which is, so, yeah, amazing. Yeah, Wembley, Wembley Arena, I'm going to be playing there and and uh, just this, just the whole Hello Wembley thing, you know, that's it's pretty sick that I, that I, I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't even be there, you know, but it's it's great. Why'd you I, say that? Well, I just think like, yeah, just, I don't know, probably just because of the nature of this podcast and you talk about plot twist as well, probably the biggest one was me actually making it just because of where I come from, I think. Like, I come from a place where not many people really f are able to find success in mm. this industry anyway. There's a lot of talent there, but I think the music industry and the entertainment industry is quite London-centric and, and you can't really get much further away than, than where I'm from. And so people can't even afford to get the train down. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, so from, yeah, I don't know, it just feels like I've come a long way just to even be known in London, I suppose. So, yeah. we'll, come, we'll come back to the plot twist because I'm intrigued yeah. to know more. Yeah. Um, What's the the most bizarre is this happening moment? Because um, like you say, when you came into the industry, mm. almost from obscurity to this being on live TV ten times over, you know, leading up to Christmas and this exposure, it's huge. Yeah. Even beyond that, have you been in instances where you're like, "What the is happening here? This is mental." Um, beyond that, I don't know if there's been anything more like "What the fuck" than being on live TV. That is the most, like, it's the hardest thing to wrap your head around, and particularly as someone who kind of watched, you know, I watched Saturday Night TV growing up and X Factor or Pop Idol, these kind mm. of things were just, like, institutions in our country. And, and, like, so when I was on that, I guess there was a kind of, like, I'm in the TV moment. Like, I'm, like, actually 
on this thing that I've watched and it really it really freaked me out actually I had like quite I don't a, blame you yeah. I had quite a lot of yeah got a lot of anxiety when I was doing that and that whole experience is the most like what the hell thing I've, I've been through because because it was like a revolving door of like icons as well when when I was on there you know people like uh, Gwen Stefani for example is one off the top of my head or like even though the judges and everything. The judges, right? yeah, yeah. Like just, yeah, Gary Barlow and, <laughs> and Nicole Scher. You know, yeah, it was just, it was, the whole thing was wild. But I mean, beyond that, you know, I've played, like I've played some some amazing shows like Croke Park. I've played to a sold out Croke Park and played at Wembley Stadium, sold out the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, I've managed to have, have a few sold out arena tours in, in the UK, which is definitely, those are the things that like for a young aspiring Singer songwriter are the kind of real pinch me moments. Absolutely. I'd say, yeah. yeah. Is there a moment in your life, if you could go back, hypothetically speaking, yeah. if you could change one thing, mm. what would that be? In, in my career, in my career yeah. so far, probably just irresponsible things that I said, I think, like the, that may have alienated groups of people, you know, or like just irresponsible language, you know, like I, um, when I came out of that whole whirlwind of, of x factor and stuff like i really struggled to adapt to the fame thing mm. i suppose because fame was never something that i really prepared myself for but there's no handbook for that is there's there? no handbook yeah, yeah i mean i'm sure you've heard this a million times this kind of this kind of story but and i i think because i saw myself as i always saw myself as being like a, a kind of anti-establishment like a kurt cobain was my hero and like i i wanted to be a front man of a rock band and i thought right i've made it now let me try and shake this tag of being some kind of like shiny pop star mm. kind of thing and so like i just i went i think i went too far in like being outspoken or like um or fighting back against the kind of trolling and stuff mm. like that like i was sort of determined to be like no nah, I'm, I'm gonna be authentic i'm gonna be myself and i'm not gonna you know be like one of these uh, media trained polished and, polished yeah. people that like if someone calls me something like i'm gonna you know, I'm going to fight back sort of mm. thing. And, and yeah, I did this, I mean, I did this rap battle thing in which like, I said I, I used homophobic language and um, I'm, I, I don't consider myself homophobic at all, but in the context of the rap battle, you know, I was kind of saying like, what, you know, do you, do you fancy me? And I was kind of, it was like, it was part mm. of a scheme. It was, it was, um, it was part of the sketch. In my, moment, in my, right? it, yeah. In my mind, it was quite innocent, but of course, like when you come from a show like that and people view you as almost like public property or like, or hold you to a different standard than maybe other people like rappers mm. or whatever, um, who say these kind of things all the time whilst playing a part, which is exactly what I was doing. Mm. Um, it kind of it got quite sensationalized and i'm not excusing that behavior because it was absolutely i take full accountability for what i said but yeah I, it's my biggest regret because i think there's still people out there now that maybe think that i have you know i discriminate against mm. any community or whatever and i i absolutely don't and i think that may have hampered my career in in, in some ways or my progress and that was all just out of ego really just mm. like trying to be the bad boy maybe and it just yeah it was just it was it was um naive really so yeah but that was early on right it was really it was literally yeah. like a year after i was on the yeah. show i was like yeah, yeah. i was i was um <laughs> psychologically i wasn't in a good place um so yeah no uh, yeah if you ask me if i you know i i try i would say no regrets i try not to have any regrets but i can't help but 
want to take that one back mm. if I could, if I could go back or if somebody could be like, don't put that rap battle on the internet with that. Like, yeah, of course. I would have, you know, it would have been great. That makes sense. That makes, yeah. And also like, you know, you were 24, right? You're 25. Yeah, 24, still, yeah, yeah. Still a kid from the mean streets of Middlesbrough. <laughs> Let's uh, you, you alluded to the the plot twist. Yeah. Let's kind of go back to that and kind of delve into a little bit more. Yeah. It's sort of the biggest, yeah, our own story changing, our own narrative. I mean, I mean, it's I suppose it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that you've come from the like you say the streets of Middlesbrough mm. to then this massive exposure on live TV. I mean, mm. talk more about that and that that experience because that is it's mm. pretty substantial, right? It was, yeah. It, uh, the contrast in lifestyles, if you like, was so opposite ends of the mm. spectrum. Right before I went on X Factor, I was essentially homeless. You know, I was living, I was sleeping on my mate's couch, um, and my life had just been. I, I lived below the poverty line. I lived in bed sits. You know, I'd been, like I said, been, I'd been actually homeless. And, um, you know, I tried to get jobs and things like that, but in, in Middlesbrough, we have the lowest unemployment rate in the country. It's particularly back then, it was pretty depressing times there, like to get work and things mm. like that. And also like, I couldn't hold down a job because I it was just this like ADHD, like hyper fixated on being a singer songwriter. And so like I lived just from kind of like pub gig to pub gig really. Uh, and like I said, I had, you know, I had people promise me stuff, but uh, yeah, again, it was all just, I was just skint really. Mm. And um, just trying to survive. And all of a sudden, like I said, my mum, she said like, I'll, I'll borrow you a tenner if you go and audition for the X Factor. And I really needed that money at the time because mm. I, I had no electricity on in my flat. And I was like, fuck, I'm sitting in the dark here like for a few days. I've told the story a million times. Probably people who are listening to this will be like, we've heard, we've heard this before. But um but yeah, it was it was just shit. Yeah, you know, life was pretty shit. Um, I did I, I didn't really want to go down the X Factor route, if I'm honest. But it felt like last chance saloon in a way. Mm. It felt like this is this is kind of it's it's the right time to do. It. It's kind of like you know, it's either this or stay in a perpetual state of like darkness, basically. And um, and so yeah, I did it. I went down, I auditioned, and then. Um, and like within six months, I'm on the front pages of of the newspaper. Well, that's the thing. Also, is like the time scale involved. You're talking about yeah. a really short space of time where you say it's a it's a rags to riches tale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In no, in in no time at all. In not in no time, and it really did feel like a, you know it happened all in a blink of an eye, and like you know processing all of that stuff was tough. I just didn't really. I felt kind of disassociated. I think. And then the anxiety started. So I I just developed like a really bad panic disorder. You know, mm. I was just having these, um, it was like week two of the live shows. I had like, I think I was just really struggling to grasp what was going on. And I went into it probably with a lot of trauma, like childhood trauma and stuff like that. And unaddressed things that I could run away from in my, in my old life, if you like. It was easy to escape from that, um, you know. Whereas there was no, it felt like there was no hiding place. And like I was in this thing and I had to stick at it because here's my big chance kind of thing. And so like week two of the, the X Factor, I had this like crazy panic attack. They called ambulances. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I, thought I was going to die. I was I was convinced I was dying. And um, That's terrifying. And then the doctors on the show, like just to get me through, had to put me on like three different antidepressants and a lot of diazepam. And, and I just kind of like, 
I don't know. I look back at the show and I'm like, how did I get through that? Like, mm. I was just a zombie. Mm. I was probably at 20% and I was just trying to, you know, trying to get through this thing. And so, yeah, in answer to your question, it was, I'm trying not to use the word whirlwind because it's the most cliche thing you could say, but, but yeah, it is. It, yeah, just, it was just the most bizarre. It was the best and worst thing. That I, that, I, that I ever experienced because I because I've never I'd never felt such like crippling anxiety. Yeah, let's say you were mentoring someone, mm. someone who's got five albums, yeah. billions and billions of streams, as we said at the beginning, mm. and somebody was in that situation. What would you What would you do? What would you say to them? Because um, immediately I'm thinking, you should have been pulled out. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I'm glad I didn't, but I probably should have been. I think the people, the welfare people on the show did a really good job of getting me sort of right. And and I, I think I probably did a lot of kind of good acting. You know, I'm fine, I'll, I'll be all right kind of thing. Um, That's what a lot of us do though, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But uh, what I, I would I would have, I mean, my the issue with me and why I, why I had so much anxiety and stuff was just being hard on myself I think I think be be kinder to yourself that that's mm. you know after all these years of trying to understand you know my mental health stuff I think that's probably the main one I think that internal dialogue that you have with yourself um you know so would you talk to your best friend like that exactly would you walk you know if someone walked up to you in the street and and said some of the things you're saying in your head you'd be throwing punches you know what I mean so I was like <laughs> You know, I, 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 re I started like I read the Eckhart Tolle books and all that stuff, like be the watcher of your thoughts. And like, mm. I realized, shit, I talk to myself like shit. You mm. know, I, I, I'm not very nice to myself. I didn't like myself very much. And that, that's, that was the problem, ultimately. It's, it was kind of a blessing and a curse, though, because that's always been like, with, for me, adversity and pain was what helped me create and is what, is what makes me who I am as an artist and as a, as a singer. I always mm. leave... I always give you that sort of guts with... Uh, it's raw emotion, isn't raw it? Raw emotion, yeah. yeah. And so I, I've got a much better relationship with it now. I'm able to tap into it when needed. But I kind of, um, yeah, I think I'm able to, like, you know, be less hard on myself. And that's what I would tell any kind of young person going into that sort of environment, I think. You talk a lot about mental health. And actually, I, for me, as somebody who has anxiety and I haven't been kind to myself at times, I, I really appreciate you doing that because I think particularly with young men, it's important to talk and, and be open about that. Mm. And lots of people ask you about mental health because you are so open. I think it opens the door where people feel like they can. Yeah. So I don't want to keep, you know, I don't want to go into that so much. But in terms of how you regulate and manage yourself now, mm. what, what's, what's the process there? Well, I mean, being I, a father probably helps. Yeah, I guess. no, that does that does help. That that actually has been huge for me. I think in terms of my perspective, my overall perspective has changed dramatically. I had a bit of a kind of ego death, I think. You know, <laughs> like so. It's like I, you know, I think I've been on this pursuit for validation from external things, from people mm. that don't care about me and, and, you know, and, and from things that don't really matter. And it's been driven by like, I'll prove to those people that rejected me and didn't think I was good enough. And, and you know, been trying to prove that I'm good enough probably is ultimately. And having a daughter, having a kid just makes that seem silly. It just makes all that seem you know, super irrelevant because like, you know, I, I'm now responsible for someone much more important than me in, in my mind and so that's been really good for my mental health because all of those minor worries you know that kind of 
subconscious worry, I think, has a lot of it's kind of melted away a, a bit. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's 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 been fantastic for me. It's been she's become like a like sort of like an anchor in a way for me. But yeah, you know, my my little toolkit for for surviving kind of depression and anxiety and stuff is is kind of quite simple. You know, you've got you've got to exercise. I think that's important. I try and do that. Like I know that if I do that, I think and and diet things like that. People, mm. I think there's not enough out there probably about how important that is for your mental health. You know, you can't eat Greg's every day. Mm. You know, that's which I which I tried to do for a quite a while palmo every now and again pa- palmos for, for breakfast that, that ain't gonna that ain't gonna do anything for your dopamine levels long term um yeah man and uh yeah just talking openly like like i do it's not always easy but i think um you know it's just good to talk it's good to talk i appreciate you doing it mm. the new album yeah bit of sweet love yeah saying you've released a couple of singles already but it comes early next year Talk me through the sort of creative process for that, because we have a lot of actors on here and we talk about their methods, how they get into character. But for you to delve into those raw emotions, mm-hmm. what's what's the process look like there? Do you do you have certain times where you, you, you have to lead up to it or are you always on? Are you always creating? I think, for, yeah, I think I'm always on, actually. Yeah, I think that it's funny. I was, I was talking to my manager about this the other day um, because... I'm already in the process of making the next album because next year I'm going to be on a world tour and so mm-hmm. there won't be any gaps in the diary to to write the next one and I don't I don't want to leave so much time I want to keep, I'm you know I'm getting older now so I don't want to leave too much time in between projects and I, yeah so I feel like I've been immersed in a project or working towards a project f- like for the last 10 years like, I don't think I've ever really been out of one you know or thinking about what the next thing is I think it just helps me to have a a piece of art to kind of work towards finishing and luckily I think I'm just able to like I said tap into those emotions or that pain that I've felt that is, is I feel like is omnipresent with me like it's just a, a kind of part of me that I'm able to take from and and put in channel into my in my songs and so yeah like yeah it's just i feel like i'm always on to be honest if you're writing mm. and you're because you're a great songwriter as well people Thank think you. you're just a singer but a songwriter as well how, how long like time wise can you be in that bubble because mm. we talk about like other instances where you can like painting or doing mm. something creative where you can get lost in the moment yeah how, how long can you spend in, in a writing bubble um, it's a creative nerd in me coming out. No, no, it's yeah, it's it's good. It's a good question. Um, I tend to do it in sort of like three, four month cycles. Like um, when writing a song, like for example, like yeah. that that's that can be that that's usually a, a day or two. Like when when I'm in a songwriting sort of cycle, when I'm working towards an album, yeah, you kind of just do every day of the week. It's just like a song. You, hopefully, you get a song a day. Wow. By by the end of by the end of say like a few months. You hope to have, you know, a few single contenders, you know, at least a skeleton of what, what a frame, the framework of what could be a record. But yeah, again, I feel like I'm what kind of always in it, you know, whether it be just kind of listening to stuff and trying to draw inspiration, or just like you know, I'm always putting song titles in my phone or concept yeah, ideas yeah, yeah. or you know, stuff that kind of like seeds that could be planted and. Uh, turn into a, a song uh, but yeah generally like it's, it's, a, it's a day and some songs like my most successful song took me 20 minutes to write uh, and, and you hear that a lot actually yeah, like, yeah, yeah. people's like big songs are like oh that was just an hour or like, you know what I mean Yeah. and then there's, there's some that take you 
forever and you, you can be stuck on one phrase for like three hours and you're just like <laughs> why do i even do this job like, yeah this is mental. <laughs> yeah um, isn't it dolly parton she she did i will always love you and jolene in the same night so, that's absolutely i mean that's bonkers isn't it's it just like defined like yeah. music <laughs> yeah it's incredible two songs in a night that's, that's wild that's pretty crazy for this album then mm. it's sweet love what were the sort of key inspirations because i get the sense there's a little bit of experimentation with this one mm. compared to previous projects yeah Is, would that be fair yeah i think it would be I, th I think there's a bit of that and there's there's also a bit of me kind of going back to i think who i started out as which was like you know kind of being in a band being a front man and like writing songs for a band and it was fun to kind of kid on that 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 was still the case i suppose and i'm like writing a record for a band and like going back to um work like working with musicians and my la my last album sorry to jump around but my last album no, was, was very experimental because it was like a trap thing there wasn't a live drum kit on the whole thing which is unusual for me mm. everything's been yeah. built around live like organic instruments and it was just a very electronic thing and i tried to do this kind of trap Post Malone meets Blink One Eight Two sort of thing <laughs> that like sort of went down a bit like a lead balloon in, in some in some quarters, but this one was like me kind of I felt like I had something to prove again. I think that's when I mm. when I do my best work is like all right, let me show people really like what what I'm about and yeah. And so half the album is kind of like a rock band and mm. half the album is like back to being a singer songwriter, you know, pretty acoustic. Um, yeah. Again, just trying to give people the best of me or what people like kind of know of me is like my kind of thing, if you like, um, but elevated somehow. And, um, it's pretty cool that you can adapt though, isn't it? You can yeah. flex and try a bit of hair and yeah. your voices, you know, you can yeah. vary yourself in that sense. So I love jumping around genres. I love like I'm, the next thing I'm doing, I want it to be like an R&B thing. And so mm. like, yeah, I'm, I, 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 mean, I don't know whether people want to hear me do so many different things but I, I i love to i like to think of myself as someone who's quite versatile so um i loved the single a year ago thank you yeah really do enjoy it thank you very much it's got a similar sort of build up because one of my favorites of yours is empty space it's oh, kind nice. of got that sort of slow lower tone build up and then that nailing it with the, mm. the chorus itself um let's come on to another plot twist question yeah. plot twist person mm. so this is a surprise entity who has come into your life and mm. Provide inspiration, provided support in, in some capacity that you wouldn't have perhaps foreseen. Mm -hmm. Who who stands out? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, I think we, we may have covered it with with my with my daughter. I think I'm not someone who's ever really had um, aside from like say like Kurt Cobain or Elvis or like just those icons to look at. Mm. You know, growing up, my mum was my mum was really influential in kind of giving me. A, good sort of melting pot of 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 things to to look at and be inspired by you know david bowie was big in our house and like i said elvis and all the, all the greats like that was kind of going on but i never like i was never sort of obsessed with anyone or like i kind of wanted to be my own person and and i never really had much support from anyone in, in my life you know i've always felt a bit like a lone wolf like i don't really feel like there's anyone i could really call to be honest that sounds quite sad but it's more that's more out of my own pride, I think, mm. and like having a chip on my shoulder about sort of proving myself. Maybe um, that's why the fans really take to you, though. Potentially, yeah. Maybe they they feel like they want to want to back me, and um, and I, I I really appreciate that. But yeah, like you know, I've I've got a lot of great people around me these days. You know, a lot of people that help. It's a real my my whole brand, my whole 
business is a is a is a huge team effort. I've got incredible musicians that come out on the road with me that are, are like brothers to me that inspire me all the time to be better at what I do. But me and my daughter um, Emily, she when she came into my life, she really changed me, and I feel like I've got like. I feel like I've got another hundred albums in me now since she's been <laughs> since she's been born. It's just like that's, you know, I've got a reason to live, a reason to yeah. stay alive, and 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 try and be the best version of me. Because before that, I was getting a bit jaded with with the music business and the landscape and mm-hmm. and how it's kind of where it's going and and um, maybe maybe the lack of recognition in, in some ways as well for what I've achieved certainly in this country, um, and so like. And that was all really toxic for me to like be ruminating on. And I think mm. she's kind of just killed all of that for That's me. That's beautiful. That's great. It's fantastic. Did you did you foresee having children? Was that something that was on your radar? That because you're quite you got imagination and could you could you have pictured that during the lockdown? I started thinking about it because um, maybe I was lonely and I wanted a friend. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think we all did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I wrote a song called Emily, and I kind of almost like manifested it somehow um uh yeah so i did like uh, um, as a songwriter i'm always looking for concepts and stuff and um i thought like what you know what would i say to my daughter because sometimes i feel embarrassed about some of the kind of pr around my past and stuff and i thought god if i was a dad like how would i explain that like i wouldn't want my uh, children to be embarrassed by me or uh, ashamed of of me and things I've done and things I've said, you know, and and I would I would I thought shit I would like to be a good example, but it would be difficult, you know, in some ways because they they might look at things I've done and mistakes I've made and and think less of me. And so I wrote this song, which is kind of a letter to my unborn child, explaining kind of who I am and and how I you know ended up being you know where I am and stuff mm. and. Uh, and yeah, it's called Emily. It's out there. You can go check it out. It's a great song. It's a great thank, song. Thank you very much. And yeah, so yeah. I love a bit of manifestation. Yeah, I know it's a yeah. buzzword, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Use, but there is something about it. It's quite magic. Yeah, I try not to use it too much. And, but yeah, you know, in the position you are now, it's, it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, it works. I think. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Visualizing stuff kind of helps. Mentors um, and surprise entities coming up in the industry, or anyone that's been a Something that you've admired, and even though they've just had a quick conversation with you and, and backed you. Yeah, I, I've had I have had a couple. Yeah, I mean, like very early when I when I first came off the X Factor, I, I was yeah fortunate enough to hang out with with Ed Sheeran a little bit, and and he's a guy that, I mean, he kind of blew me away because he's he's a, a lad that has it all together. Like he just he's got it all figured out. He's got like three albums in the in the chamber he knows what he's doing in two years time he's 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 like strategized the whole thing and he's he's got it figured out and i was just like wow that that stresses out my brain thinking yeah yeah uh, he's someone that like i mean the math thing makes sense it's like he's he's you know he's kind of um figured out the whole algorithm i don't know what it is but but yeah and but he was um yeah he, he was like the first guy that i met in the in the business that i was like oh he's you know He's he's inspiring because he's like he's got that real drive and ambition, and he was you know he's very supportive of me back then. So I, I spoke I spoke to Robbie Williams randomly at Soccer Aid, and he he was really cool. You know he was um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he he lent me a few kind of nuggets of wisdom that like really stuck with me, and and um, 
And I think at the crux of it was like, just never waver from that authenticity thing, you know, like be, you know, be authentically, don't chase trends. And, and it's something that I kind of was already thinking about, but that we're in this business, we're so, there's so many cooks and so many voices and, and that you have to drown out in order to just listen to your, mm. you know, your instincts and your mm. intuition. And like, it's, 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 almost impossible to do sometimes uh the label are like this is the song and you're like well that doesn't really align with with my vision you know and and yeah and he and he was just someone who come along who's achieved so much in the business that that just reminded me that the right thing to do is to be authentic uh, that was cool i guess i was thinking when you're saying that about lots of cooks and any creative process there's always a lot of people involved but perhaps help and hindrance is that you you've been a lone soldier haven't you you yeah. fought on your own yeah so in some ways that's probably helped that but in other ways it's yeah. it's probably been challenging i suppose for you yeah no it has been i think yeah there's 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 definitely been a lot of pros and cons to that thing of me being on my own i've never really kind of like courted um like fellow uh i don't know like a peer like it just hasn't happened like where i've like being part of the cliques in the bit in, in the industry and so I think maybe I'm a bit antisocial. I, I, I don't know, but it's just like <laughs> it hasn't happened for me. Like, and so I've kind of tried to figure it out on my own. I made a lot of mistakes, and um, in a way, I'm I'm thankful for that because you know I, um, I it's, it's, something's working. I'm still I'm still here. What was it? 14, 16 billion streams, yeah, dude. You're yeah. doing something right. Yeah, it's, I'm doing something yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that you're the first sort of music star we've had on this on the show. Mm. Um, there's a few guests that might resent me saying that, but it's true. You are. Right. Um, in terms of uh, TV and film, do you have a passion for that? Is that something that is, um, you know, away from your work, something you can escape to? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big. I'm a big fan of films. Yeah. I'm, escapism is is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I've got a, a like cinema room in my house that I, that's where oh, I like nice. to. I like to escape to. Sorry, that sounds really unrelatable. But uh, yeah. No. It's yeah. Hey, I if do. we could, if we can do it, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, no, totally. You know, I spent. Yeah. I spent when I got my my uh, my record label advances. Like I've yeah. I uh, I went for that because yeah. No. I lo I, I love that as, as someone who struggles to stay present. Um, films and and uh, TV is is really big in in my life. Well, what sort of uh, films are? If you had to pick a, a few there that stand out, what 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 comes to mind? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit cliche. I, I love Christopher Nolan. I, I, you know, obviously, you know, there'll be a lot of probably film buffs. Lucky even more for this. saying that. Yeah, yeah, I love Ridley Scott. And, and I like I like some of the uh, M Night Shyamalan <laughs> films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I like a plot twist. Um, yeah. You watched uh, old? Did you see that? Yeah, film? yeah. I watched old. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. Do you know what? First time I watched it, I was like, "Is this shit or is this amazing?" And I watched yeah. it again. I was like, "Actually, I rate this film." Yeah, because it's it's the way it gets in your head, though. That's the thing. Isn't I it? still remember Provo it. It yeah. provokes something it, out. Of it you. stayed. Yeah, absolutely. It stayed with me. That. But like my my film, my favorite film for years was that film Primal Fear. You know, with yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with Ed Norton and Richard. That's a plot Gere. twist at the end. That, that yeah. Oh, yeah. I just thought that performance from Ed Norton was like. Yeah, it, it proper, yeah, proper. I think that's one of his first films he ever did. It is, actually. yeah, it's just quite, quite astonishing. Yeah, him turning out to be, sorry, spoiler, turning out to be schizophrenic. It's <laughs> like didn't yeah. see that coming. Yeah, yeah, and so that that was kind of yeah, loved that psychological thriller. Yeah, I'd say the Dark Knight trilogies up there is one of my favourite. Dark Knight favorite. trilogies, yeah. Yeah, yeah love that as yeah, well. Yeah, people get annoyed that I say the trilogy and not pick out one, but it, all of it is. Me, me and Elaine, my my. Uh, 
my my groomer <laughs> where <laughs> that's not, I don't know if that's that she likes to be called that. Um, <laughs> on the way here, we were talking about the new Batman. What do you reckon of that? With, um, With Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Don't get me wrong, he's incredible. Yeah. I think he's an amazing actor. I, I, f I found the whole sort of cinematography, the whole thing, quite a little bit dark. Yeah, I did too. Whereas with Nolan's Batman and Christian Bale, who I think is the best. Yes, me too. There was a balance there where it felt at points believable. Mm -hmm. Whereas, if I mean, it was an amazing film, but it felt less so, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. I, I found it quite hard to sit in, in the theatre for that long uh, with just that one tone. Yes, yes. Like you said, it felt really dark. And uh, it was cool, don't get me wrong, but I think like where the Joker managed to like hit, you know, really hit with that mm. dark yeah. version of that story. Like I didn't quite, I didn't, it didn't quite land for me. And also like, this might be, this might sound like body shaming or something, but like, isn't Batman meant to be like a unit? Do you know what I mean? He's, he like, he, it's like he didn't, he just was lean, wasn't he? he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like you should have like an, uh, this, uh, I might be wrong, but you should have like an unattainable physique if you're going to be a... That kind of level. If they're going to be a, yeah, a Batman. Yeah. Although I will never have as good a body as Robert Pattinson. So, <laughs> so yeah, maybe, I don't know. Apparently Christian Bale, he put on too much weight, didn't he? Yeah. Did you hear about that? Because he did The Machinist before. That's right, yeah. And then goes straight into Batman Begins, and he actually put on too much muscle, where Christopher Nolan was like, no, you need to trim down. Yeah. Like, this guy's like, the commitment oh, is... my God, yeah. yeah. He's like famous for that, isn't he, for fluctuating. Yeah. I, think he, I couldn't do it. Yeah, that's mad. That's that, pretty that would, crazy. That would wreak havoc with your mental health, I think. What, uh, what other passions are in your life, away from... Um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty simple bloke. I, I love football. I, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I'm Are a you a Middlesbrough fan? I'm a Middlesbrough fan, yeah, oh, but, but I'm a big Premier League. I watch Premier League. Well, you beat my team at the weekend, that's why. That's why I Chef, uh, Sorry, uh, Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Southampton. Mm. Wasn't expecting that. Wasn't expecting to beat Southampton. I'm not really sure what to expect with Southampton at the moment. Yeah, but... well, same with Borough. We were bottom of the league before that, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, sports and that's kind of it. And music takes up so much of my life and my um, my brain power, I guess. Like, um, I feel like I don't really have any other life skills than, than music, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of just always, like I say, I'm, I'm always in, in a project, like... Um, I probably should take a break and like and learn some other stuff. Have you ever had the chance to do that over the last ten years, like a, a proper substantial break? Because no. you're saying like being always on. Yeah. Do you ever get like a bit of burnout from that? Probably the public perception would be that I've been away and stuff like that. But um, five albums though. I mean, that's yeah, some tours obviously off the back well, of that. Well, yeah, because if you think of sort of ten, eleven years, like an album takes roughly two years to kind of engineer and and um, and and get done. And so yeah, I've kind of yeah, ne no, in answer to your question, I've never really being like I'm not making music for a year and just going to go off travelling or whatever I just haven't, haven't too much done. love for the game too much love for the game and just I feel like when you take you know take too much time away you lose that momentum and I'm still trying to build my live audience in America and all that kind of stuff so it's um, yeah it's a it's does it stop. like with the new album you obviously got quite a few more singles to mm. to come out off the back of it obviously two have come out done really well mm. is it frustrating that you've got this creative nugget there uh. and your fans are having to wait a few months and for you also just to kind of get the validation and reaction yeah 
Because you might have written something and put it all together, recorded it, maybe a year before anyone's going to properly hear it, you know, at least more broadly, right? Yeah, it is. It's super frustrating. It's so so frustrating, yeah. There's so many highs and lows in in this game (laughs) because... Yeah, you just, it feels like a lot of the time you're kind of just anticipating and, and, and building up. And then, you know, that's why I mentioned, uh, I keep coming back to why Emily's been so important for me, because sometimes uh, something that you feel really excited about coming out, it kind of comes out. And like, I guess you probably hear this with like with people in, in movies where the film comes out and it tanks or, you know, and it just like, Social media as well. what's, what is my life about? You look around and you're like, fuck what now and all you can do is kind of get back on the horse and mm. and go again but it's sometimes hard to keep motivated and like you you know you, you'll go from loving a song for ages whilst it belongs to you and it's you know in your possession and you listen to it all the time you're like fuck this is great people are going to love this and it comes out and you and like it doesn't you don't get the validation or the recognition or the radio don't play it and you're like oh fucking I don't like that song anymore and you're just like you know um, it's a weird one, yeah. It kind of it plays with your emotions quite a bit. So you know, it's a lot of highs and lows, and that's why it's really important that outside of that, you've got, you know, you've got things that, um, you know, like films and stuff like you say. You can, can escape, yeah. You can escape and find that kind of fulfillment in other things. Do you, Do you have almost relationships with the songs? Yeah, no, you do. Yeah, they're like they're uh, they really are like you you children <laughs> or something. Like it's it's mad because you. Um, yeah, I definitely have a have a real attachment with 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 certain songs. Yeah, and that's why it's so, it can be so depressing when nobody else thinks it's good. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Well, look, I've uh, I've loved having you on. Yeah, man. I, I knew before uh, this sort of, you've got this raw honesty, which I really appreciate, mm. and then you've certainly delivered on that. Good luck with the new album. Mm. Comes out twenty sixth of January. Is that right? Twenty sixth of January. Yeah, we've got a, a world tour happening. That's on sale right now. I think it's almost sold out, so you're gonna have to get your tickets. If you're I think Bournemouth's on the location, isn't it? Bournemouth so, is, um, is I on might the, try and see yeah. if I can uh, sneak down. That's we'll, near my we'll woods. So. You're on the guest list, mate. If you want to come down. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll hold you so, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on down. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks for seeing you. that was raw honest reflective and a sprinkling of fun it's what you come to expect with james arthur since he arrived on the scene in 2012 he's told it like it is throughout and i think as we said in the interview that's part of why he has such a dedicated fan base they really like him for that it's interesting because you go into certain conversations and you know some of the territory you're likely to cover some of the conversations you may have an x factor is obviously one of those with james in that He was plucked from relative obscurity into this limelight, if you will. And of course, that is a plot twist. You can't avoid that. And even for me now, seeing him as... I don't really look at him. I don't think of him as an X-Factor artist. You, You can't ignore that. That was such a big plot twist in his life. But to hear his own recollections of those experiences, particularly in those first few weeks, you know, I felt like if I was your friend at the time, I'd be pleading with you. Do not continue with this. It's a detriment to your health, your well-being. But perhaps maybe 11 years ago, slightly different time, and of course the way everything's played out for him since, I'm sure he wouldn't take that back. 
but still fascinating to kind of get that level of insight. You really got a sense that he's carried a lot of his past with him and called that perhaps a bit of anger, maybe frustration that he hasn't had his flowers. But you really sensed in, in recent years, particularly with the birth of his daughter, Emily, that a lot of that has melted away, as he put it. And I felt a sense of relief for him and I felt pleased for him because he does deserve his flowers. And then on a lighter note, talking about movies, we, you know, we appreciate some of the same stuff. You know, we love Christopher Nolan, Ridley Scott, some great movies in there. And even Primal Fear that we spoke about, probably the most epic plot twist ending in movie history, or at least up there. It's got to be, surely. Now, on the theme of music and movies, obviously this podcast is brought to us by Sky and Now. So I'm going to do a little content recommendation with that in mind. James spoke about... An influence growing up was Elvis Presley. His mum used to play that a lot in the kitchen. So I'm going to say Elvis, the movie with Austin Butler. It is an amazing film by Baz Luhrmann. Austin Butler absolutely nails it. It's available on Sky Cinema and Sky Cinema on now. Go and check it out. That is my content recommendation of the week. Back to James Arthur. Big, big thank you to him for coming into the studio and having a chat. In the meantime, I'm going to have a Palmo because I've struggled to not think about it since discovering it. I'm going to try and sort out those tickets for Bournemouth to see James Arthur next year. Look out for the album Bittersweet Love in January. So until then, ciao guys. Ciao.